Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Dalton Wagner in the Zone is brought to you by Reliance Bank. The super senior right tackle is part of an offensive line that paved the way for the top rushing attack in the Power Five last year. Reliance Bank opened its doors in 1965, and although they may be growing, they're still the institution you've trusted for years. Just like K.J. Jefferson can rely on Dalton Wagner, you can rely on us at Reliance Bank. All right. On the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, there he is, Dalton Wagner. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, buddy, listen, after a win, everybody's doing a lot better around here. I'm sure you are among them. Nice to break the streak. Uh, let me ask you a question, very pointed. Was that your best offensive performance to date, you think? Yeah, I think overall, I would have to say, yeah, probably, because, I mean, we were firing all cylinders. We were running the ball. We were throwing the ball. Gap teams were working, wide zone was working, tight zone was working. I mean, we had almost everything and anything we wanted there. And, you know, I'll tell you, it was really awesome having KJ back. You know, I think he played played one of the best games he's played since he's been here. And really just having a lot of those guys back was just really awesome to have. Matt Landers, three touchdowns. Mm. Trey Knox showed up really well. Bax, too. Bax was blocking really nicely. And Rocket, I think, had a career day as well. Did you expect to have that kind of day? I mean, did you guys feel really good about the matchups going in? Yeah, we we did. We knew that we'd be able to throw the ball a lot on them, just the way they kind of played that defense. You know, it left some stuff open in the middle. Um, and obviously, you know, you put some one-on-one matchups as well, too, because they're trying to load the box on us on the run game. So you're going to – somewhere you're having a one-on-one matchup, and all, it, all it's about then is winning that matchup. And Trey, Matt all won their matchups. And, you know, Hazelwood, too. Um, I don't think he had like quite the stat game that he wanted to have, but he was so productive on offense, still being able to run guys off, block on the edge. Made a lot of really good plays for us that might not have gotten his name called, but gave him some good recognition still. I went back and watched, and I saw that they used their middle linebacker as a spy on KJ a lot of the plays, and he was just hanging out there at the line of scrimmage on pass plays to make sure KJ wasn't running. That opened up the middle of the field, and you guys hammered the middle of the field. Is that something y'all knew ahead of time in game plan, or you just started kind of switching it up and during the game once you saw the spy? So the way um, the way that they were running kind of that zone defense, we knew that it was soft and towards the middle of the field was going to be a lot wide open. But having that Mike linebacker, and they had the Jack kind of spying as well too, and he would just kind of be that spinner or in that spinner look. It opened up, you know, once we saw that, I think KJ recognized it immediately, and he just started to attack, attack, attack that middle of the field as best he can. I went back and watched the game, and I, I forgot how important that, that KJ play was when he broke three or four tackles. I mean, it's the end of the first half. It's only a three-point game. It's third and 11. If y'all had to punt there, I mean, BYU may go down and score and take the lead at the half. Instead, he breaks three or four tackles, finds Trey Knox. He gets 20 or 30 more yards. Y'all score a touchdown, go up 10. I mean, that was just a huge play. Could you feel it at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, as an O-line, we'd like to avoid that type of strain on KJ. Um, wasn't, wasn't our best protection, but, you know, for him to be able to make a play and, you know, turn a sack – what should have been a guaranteed sack into a 30, 40 yard gain is something really special. You know, like I said, you know, KJ can make us look pretty good sometimes. Um, 
but he, it was it was a momentum shift. You could tell, you know, because everyone knows that what was I think it was third and eighteen or something on that play, or third and seventeen maybe. You know, we were way behind the sticks on that, and for him to go out and make a play and then Trey to continue to extend that play as well too, it it was really special, and you could feel that momentum shift, and it kind of sucked the air out of their sideline and sucked the air out of their defense as well too. Once we started to move on them, did you get a good look at that in real time or on tape afterwards? On tape afterwards, in real time. It was kind of panic of, oh, crap, someone's wrapping up KJ, and I tried to just throw my body in there to try to try to free somebody up. But it was definitely panic in real time. What about the trip and the experience overall? I heard uh, one of the other players talking about it this week. I mean, it's obviously a beautiful setting, and then you go out and play well on a perfect day with a great crowd on hand. Just give me kind of your feel on the experience of playing there. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think I've ever seen mountains that big before in my life. You know, coming from Illinois where it's all flat cornfields, <laughs> it was uh, it was something special to see all that. But, you know, it was – Coach Tick treated it like a business trip, you know, and I think that, that was one of the bigger – the bigger focus of it. Everyone had that bad taste in their mouth still, you know. Everyone was pretty mad during the week, and Coach Pitt made an emphasis with the good-on-good period. I told you guys last week that Tuesday was probably one of the most physical practices we've had since camp, and – I think that helped show up on Saturday, but the atmosphere, the atmosphere out in Provo was absolutely amazing. You know, um, altitude wasn't too much of an issue. You know, just once you finish a drive after 18 or 16 plays, whatever it would be, you know, you'd be pretty tired. It'd be really hard to catch your breath when you're sitting on the sideline. But other than that, you know, their fans were great. Um, nobody was really, you know, nobody, it was different going there because usually in the SEC, you know, you're getting booed, you're getting cussed out, you know, something like that. But their fans were amazing. You know, everyone around Provo was really, really nice. And even walking in the stadium, they had breeders and everything. And, you know, they their fans outside our locker room and stuff, you know, cheering us on. Like, it was it was truly a special event. Like, I've never seen never seen anything like that in college football before. But the trip was amazing itself. The fan experience, I'm told, was off the charts. And I mean, they're giving out free ice cream to the visiting fans. Did your family make the trip? No, they did not. That's, <laughs> I was a little too far away for them, but... I, I, I saw that on Twitter that they were giving out ice cream. I was kind of hoping that they'd throw them down to us after the game. but it is what... <laughs> Yeah, I think once you beat them up, they probably weren't as willing to do that, although I heard the fans were very gracious yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Um, how about this week? You know, We've talked a little bit about what you guys might be focused on this week. Trey acted like you guys were back to business. How much rest and sort of recovery versus work this week for you? Yeah, um, we're a pretty beat-up team right now. And so rest is kind of paramount this week. Coach Pitt's taking that very seriously as well. He said, we're trying to work your mind like we've never worked your mind before while trying to rest your body in the best way as possible. Um, so, you know, limited contact and hitting this week. And the weight room and all that other stuff, we're hitting really hard to try to keep aerobic capacity up and to make sure that we can still, you know, stay in shape, move some weights, and we're not coming back on Monday lethargic and not feeling great. But, the mental side of things this week is what he's really stepped up, you know, between meetings and walkthroughs and practices themselves too. Like it's so much mental stuff that he's trying to put on. He's like, I want you guys to know Auburn inside and out and make sure that you can understand what we're looking at before we get to that physical part of it. Cause once we get to the physical part of it, he said, he's like, that's when it's easy. If you know what you're looking at before the physicality, the game slows down. What are you going to do Saturday? You know, I, honestly, I think I'm just going to lay around watching college football and probably not leave my couch all day. <laughs> That's probably my plan on Saturday. Grill some, grill some steaks up maybe, and that'll be it. 
Trey said that he got a chance. I was asking about the Tennessee game with his roots, um, and I was. He sounded like you guys had, or some of the guys had watched that game. It was a wild one for sure. How much do you watch uh, other teams from the SEC or teams around the country during the year? So a lot of the times it's, it's hard on Saturdays for obvious reasons. But you know, um, if we have like a late kick, you can watch those 11 a.m. games uh, pretty much all the way through before we have uh, some of our other stuff. But we were, we were lucky for Provo because. When we finished our game, I think that there was about two minutes left in that Tennessee-Alabama game, and Bo turned it on on his phone in his locker, and you had probably half the locker room around watching it, trying to see how that's going to shake out, see how that game ends, and it was awesome. But you try to watch as much as you can, but obviously you're missing the majority of games from just being having to play and everything. Do you find yourself having a rooting interest, or are you just watching as a fan generally uh, and enjoying the game? Just watching as a fan and enjoying the game, you know, obviously as an offensive lineman, I always watch the O-line play and how they're doing stuff and, you know, to see what they're doing differently than what we're doing. Or I'll watch, you know, if we get a chance to watch, you know, if Auburn's playing somebody or, you know, mm-hmm. someone's playing somebody we're going to be playing down the road, you watch their defensive ends and stuff while watching the game as well to see how they react to things. But a lot of times I like to just enjoy it as a fan. We're always looking for an edge when it comes to um, predicting. We'll put it that way, in a game. How much of an advantage is it? And obviously there isn't one this week because Auburn's off too, but how much of an advantage do you feel like a bye week is when you're playing another game? We saw the rest and how much it benefited or seemed to benefit KJ physically. How much of a bye week, how much of an impact is that really? Do we make more of that or is that a, is that a huge deal for you guys? No, absolutely. You're right. It's, it's a huge deal. I mean, you got to think about it. You're stealing a whole extra week of practice and preparation on your opponent. Um, assuming they don't have a bye week. Obviously, with Auburn having a bye week, they're getting practices on us and everything, and we'll probably be equal equal heading into um, Auburn. But in general, it, it's such an advantage because you take you take a normal week of which you would be prepping for another opponent, and you turn it on to your next opponent, which would be Auburn. And during that same time, you have the unique ability, which your opponent doesn't have, to rest up, get healthy, try to be as fresh as you can when that game comes around because – you know, they just played a game on that Saturday while you were off. And it definitely plays a huge factor into things. And I think that, you know, it's one of the probably more criminally underrated things when it comes to predictions and stuff. BYU did something I hadn't seen before, and that was some mass substitutions. So there was there was a couple plays where I think they they switched out the entire team. And they, and they were talking about they were playing four deep on the defensive line. What did you think about that? Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. They, it was like every other play, we had like a whole new fresh D line coming in, which usually when it comes to that stuff, like, you know, when we're tempo and we're moving, you know, maybe you'll have like one or two guys sub out really quickly at a time during a drive like that. But they had almost their whole defense coming out. And there was one play, we were trying to steal the play on them, but the ref was making us wait because they, I don't even think they had even a front seven up there. I think they had their DBs <laughs> and stuff. They didn't have anybody on the line of scrimmage yet. And, we were trying to obviously get that playoff, but the rest was making us wait for that one. But hey, Dalton, yeah, it was unique. I don't think I've seen a full substitution like that. Did y'all substitute on that play? Because I thought y'all should have been able to run the play. I I, I couldn't tell you. Honestly. Okay. A lot of times I'm just breathing heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some question during the game. They're like, I don't think Arkansas substitute. They should be able to run the play. They shouldn't stop them. Um, so I, I didn't, I couldn't, but the TV angle, you can't see, uh, there was a tight shot on KJ and you couldn't tell if anybody ran in or ran off the field. So you just couldn't tell. Hey, I got one more question for you. I rewatched the game last night. Second play of the game. Uh, remember the first play, quick little out to, to, uh, Landers picks up five yards at second and five. Y'all run a running play. 
and you kind of pulled to the left and stopped. And was that what happened on that play? Was that just a a, a, a bad call, a strange call? What exactly do you remember that second play? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. So going into the week, they ran this three-two odd front, and they have this five backer. So they have they turn that five tech that DN into a mesh charger, and then they take the guy that was in the B gap and wrap him around. And so all week it was their Mike linebacker that was doing it. And so with the it was 92 during the game, he's walked up in the B gap. So my job is to cut him out. But they ran the wrap stunt on that, so I stopped to try to because all week if they run that wrap stunt, I got to turn back and try to pry out of it and make a it's, it's a wrap knife kind of for KJ. It's like a knife insert where he would hit right behind me if I can power it out and get out of it. But obviously I wasn't looking at it because I thought 92 was there, not the Mike linebacker. And then all week or the rest of the game, that's what they changed to is instead of using the linebacker, they just used the D lineman to do that kind of wrap stunt. So. They'd send someone to mesh charge to make sure KJ would pull it, and then that guy would wrap around backside behind him hmm. to, to take KJ because he has to pull it because his read is mesh charge. He's got to pull. And so after that, we corrected, had to correct off of that, but I remember being real mad about that play because all week, you know, Mike Linebacker's going to do it. Mike Linebacker's going to do it. They go out there, and it's one of the DNs that did it, and it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's like I knew I'm going to get my butt shoot out on Monday. <laughs> Are y'all seeing more and more unique things like that to stop KJ and that RPO? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, loading the box is one of the, probably the biggest things that teams will do because when they load the box, like and he has a, a run-to-run read, you know, it's hard for him to make that read and be successful with it because if you got seven and five blockers and one read man, there's still an extra guy that's going to be able to make that play. But a lot of teams have done a lot of things, but – the thing I love about Coach Files is that he adapts so quickly during a game and he can figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work, and he can make that adjustment. And we made the adjustment on those yeah. on the uh, on that mesh charge stuff. Like, we figured out that knifing it wasn't really working that well, so we made an adjustment to run one of these other plays that we ran. I don't even know how many times, but it was one of the most productive running plays we had. It was like 15 yards to carry or something like that, or close to maybe 10 yards to carry. It was close to once we switched to that play, and I mean, Bryles, Coach Bryles called a great game that game. and His ability to adjust and adapt to the, what they were doing off that edge to try to mess with KJ was awesome. Uh, we'll let you go on this. You mentioned cooking on uh, your day off or your weekend off. What is your go-to cut for a steak? I love ribeyes. I love ribeyes. So Sounds much. like an offensive That's lineman. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> That's you, probably my favorite. You Tom, can't be eating a Tom super Hawks lean steak. There, okay. Yeah, <laughs> tomahawks are in there, but tomahawks are pretty expensive. So I usually end up going with a ribeye. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, wh- how do you cook it? I, I cook it rare. I know that's a controversial nice. opinion, but I love a rare steak. It's the best. I love it. You're a bad man. Mm. And then what's your what's your favorite <laughs> side for a steak? Uh, it's got to be a loaded steak potato. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like that's, that's just as American as you can get, a steak and a loaded baked potato. You twice bake or you load it, just load it up? Uh, just loaded. I'm not. I, I I don't know how to do the twice oh, bake that well, but buddy, but I got I a great a restaurant. I got a great twice bake recipe. I'll send it to you for the weekend. Awesome. It's so easy. It it's so easy and it's so good. You cannot beat it. It's so yummy. I love a loaded one, but you can't All beat right. twice bake, man. Uh, and then yeah, what's what's your beverage of choice as a side with your uh, steak? Usually it's just water. I try to keep everything rolling still with it, but on a nice on a nice. 
you know, on a night off day, um, I like some whiskey with it. Okay. All right. Did not see that. I was thinking beer or wine, <laughs> going bourbon. I like it. Let's go with it. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. What time we uh, cooking yeah. Saturday? Joe Klein's trying to get an invite over here, Dalton. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe, listen, Joe can kick in for the tomahawks if you'll cook them, but he might want his done a little bit more than uh, rare. I like medium rare. Yeah. But I, I like I, – I, I, really, I can cook medium rare. I love that. All right. Well, send me your address and uh, what time, and I'll be there. Joe, bring you the tomahawks. I'll send you my <laughs> recipe, and you guys are all set. I guess you're on your own for the bourbon. But uh, enjoy your off week, man. You earned it. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Go hogs. All right. Thanks, Dalton. I mean, hey, the wife's out of town.